reading from Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippians in uh, the first chapter. And the first 11 verses of this book that Paul writes. Philippians chapter 1. And at the beginning. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And amen. May the Lord bless this reading from his own word. So we're looking at this uh, chapter, especially as I think I have it there in the bulletin, verse 6 of this chapter. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Indeed we are to remember God's works. How often are we reminded of that in the scriptures to remember the works of God and the wonders of God. Of course, we remember the works of God in creation for he is the one who made everything out of nothing and by the works of his fingers he holds all things together, we might say. We also are to remember the works of providence. You see, God is governing all things. He is the one who is completely holy and wise, powerfully preserving and governing every creature and every action. Nothing goes except God makes it go, we might say. The problems of God. And we are especially are to remember the works of redemption. God is the one who redeems the people for himself. 
He saves the people from their sins through the blood of the everlasting covenant, through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many works of God we can ponder and think upon more and more as we think about the very works of God. Many are the works of God that he accomplishes and is accomplishing and will accomplish. Now we might think about our own works this evening. We can come sometimes to worship. We are to rest on the Sabbath day. That's even resting our thoughts in a sense, not to bring our works to the church with us as it were. I can sometimes come to church and be thinking about something I've been doing at home and I'm sitting in church and I'm thinking about that and say, no, that's not what I'm here for, not to think about my works. I'm thinking about the works of God. So we come this evening to think about the works of God. Oh yes, we might have projects and we might have tasks and we might be thinking about them, unfinished projects maybe, unfinished jobs just didn't get around to finishing weed in the garden or didn't get around to finish that book, didn't get around to finishing my soul and didn't get around to get it done. I just got to get it done. But I didn't get it done yet. Put it off. Not yet. Now, Paul is writing here from prison, a letter to the Philippian church. He's mindful of God's works. He's mindful of what God has done and is doing the works of God. And even in the opening verses of this chapter, the first verse, that greeting that Paul gives, in a sense, it's a humble greeting. He's saying here, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. A lot of letters Paul writes, he says, Jesus, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But here, He comes and he says, a servant of Christ Jesus. Indeed he is, a humble servant of the Lord. Paul is the one who comes with Timothy. And as they come, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, humble servants. We are to be humble before God. Humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God as we draw near to him. Even as we come to worship, we humble ourselves that we might hear his voice. To be still, to listen to the Lord Just hear what he has to say to us. Now, Timothy and Paul were the ones who started the church at Philippi. We can go back to Acts chapter 16, makes makes a reference where the church began there. Paul had arrived at Philippi and souls were saved. But before he came to Philippi, Paul was at Troas. He was at Troas and was going to make a way to Bithynia, which would be to to, to the west. Or is it the west or the east? Oh, to the east, I guess. Yeah, Bithynia was up to the east. So he had planned to go to Bithynia. But in the province of God, a man came at night by a vision and spoke to Paul. The man was from Macedonia. He said, come over and help us. Come over and help us. So indeed, come over to Macedonia and help us with the words. So Paul ditched his plans. And not going east, he went west to Macedonia. Completely turned around. That can happen to us too, you know. God might have a plan for us. We might not want to hear that plan, but he's got a plan for us, and we're to follow his plan. We're to bow down before him and follow his plan. So Paul arrives then in Macedonia. He arrives in the city of Philippi. And what happens? Souls are saved right 
Off the bat, their souls say, remember Lydia? Lydia was a dealer in purple from Thyatira. Remember Lydia? They, they were at a place of prayer. Paul went up to the place of prayer. And as Paul spoke there, as he spoke, the Lord opened the heart to re- her heart to receive Paul's message. God opened her heart. A work began. A work of God in a sinner's heart opened her heart. And we might not be as familiar with the second one that was saved, a slave girl, one who was used to tell fortunes. And she went around telling fortunes. She made a lot of money for those who owned her because she told fortunes. What happened? Paul spoke to her. Of course, there was things went on before that. He spoke to her and cast out the demon. She no longer told fortunes, but she followed Paul. What happened? That made the owners of this woman very upset because they lost a lot of money. The owners wanted to make money of her telling fortunes, so they stirred up the crowd and so on. So Paul was beaten and Silas was beaten. The companions were end up put in prison. But in prison, they were singing praises to God. They were glorifying God. Beaten, yet they praised the Lord. But then there was an earthquake. And the doors of the prison flew open. And what happened? The jailer came. He was about to kill himself. He was about to kill himself. He knew that he'd be put to death. Anyway, if these prisoners get out. Paul said, no, 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 we're all here. We're all here. Don't do this. And he fell on his knees before the Lord, we might say. And he said, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Three souls converted. And the church is planted, we might say. The church started by these three souls. Now seven years later, or several years later, Paul is writing a letter to this church. He's writing a letter from his prison cell, likely in Rome at this time. It records that, I think, in, in Acts 28. But he writes these letters to the Philippian church. Now the Philippians were great supporters of the Apostle Paul in his beginning of the ministry. We can go to the fourth chapter at verse 15 where it talks about Paul encouraging and praising the Philippians for their encouragement. And we see there in verse 15, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. It was a church that certainly partnership with him in the gospels. He mentions that here in these verses. And the letter, we can say, is a joyful letter. An emphasis on joy. Paul is rejoicing even as he prays for the people. Whoever rejoices in the Lord always says in the fourth chapter, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Yet it doesn't mean there's no sorrow. It doesn't mean there's no trouble. It doesn't mean there's no struggle. There were the false teachers he mentions here in this book. There was also the persecutions that was taking place in this book. Also the question of unity. There was some disunity between some of the members. So that was causing uh, some problems in the church. doesn't mean there's no problems, but there was joy. And Paul prays for them with joy in his heart. As we see there in verses 3 to 5, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayers with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You know the most wonderful thing 
or one of the most wonderful things about being a Christian, we're partners in the gospel. One of the things that certainly struck me when I became a Christian that there was that fellowship between people who believed. We have partnership in the gospel. We belong to the same Lord. He is our Savior. And we're encouraged by each other's partnership. We're encouraged. And there's that joy when we think about each other. And we need to be praying for each other. We need to be encouraging each other because we are together in the Lord. Praying always for the churches. That's what Paul did. His burden was for the churches. He prayed for the churches. He always prayed for the churches. We can't overemphasize the importance of prayer as a people of God. We are to pray. We are to pray and we are to pray. As we pray, we must pray more and pray more. I remember one of the students at seminary, how at class, he would always be praying and uh, I remember Chal, he was, we became good friends, and, and he was a man of prayer. And he struggled, and, and we all struggle with certain things, but the importance of prayer. And it's not just preaching about prayer. It's not just talking about prayer. It's not just saying, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I pray for you. I do it. We must do it. There was a pastor in the church in, in Philadelphia, and we were there. I uh, can't think of his name right now, but... Somebody go up to him and say, would you please pray over this for me? He'd stop right there and he'd pray for them. Right then, he'd pray. they say, I want a prayer request, he'd pray right then. And I think that's a, a good note for us to remember. Pray and pray and don't stop praying. See, Paul's encouragement, he prayed with joy for the Philippians. And how we need that today to pray for each other, especially with all the struggles and the, and the battles that we have and the things that come into our lives in the providence of God, that we trust in the Lord and look to Him, knowing of His grace and His mercy to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we stand on the Word. We trust our God. We call upon His name. Now Paul, of course, writes here in the battle and the struggle this great truth. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. How great is this? Meditate upon that verse over and over again. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. A good work began. It began on sinners, wretches, Wretched man that I am. I'm only a wretched sinner saved by grace. But the Lord began a work. He began a work in you. If you truly are His. He's working in you. A sinner saved by grace. How awful we are. You know our hearts are desperately wicked. Deceitful. All our righteous filthy rags. But oh He comes. And He works in us. He'd work in me. He'd put me here. Really, I don't feel adequate for this job because I'm not. But the Lord is adequate. He's able. We trust in Him. So God began a good work. He began a good work. So as we think about that, try to unpack it and think about it a little more for our edification this evening and for our encouragement and our comfort in the Lord. I think we need to consider first these few words as Paul writes... And I am sure of this. 
And I'm sure of this. There's no doubts here by the Apostle Paul. He says, I am sure of this. Paul is given a personal testimony, you might say, but the church and the saints at Philippi, he's speaking about them, I'm sure of this. It's God's truth, I'm sure of this, he says. And of course, Paul says in another place, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing in all creation can separate. I'm convinced, Paul says here. Paul says, I'm sure of this, I'm convinced. Are you sure of this? Are you convinced of the truth? This is the Bible, the word of God. It's a sure word of God. No doubts. Oh, we might have doubts and fears and so on, but not when we come to God. We hear him speaking to us. We must take him at his word. Oh, there were doubters. There were those dogs, those false teachers, those doubters who would say, oh, God didn't do this, or, or he's not going to do this, or where is your God, and so on. Those things that might come from those false teachers and so on who certainly didn't believe in the Lord, but not Paul. Never. Paul says, I'm sure, I'm convinced. Paul knows it's God by the grace of God in Christ. Oh, he knew of his weakness, but in his weakness he knew of the strength of God because, you know, God's strength is made perfect in weakness. God works in mighty ways in the hearts of his people, and he doesn't stop that work. Paul takes God in his word. He believes, he trusts in the Lord. He takes the promise of God that he trusts in him. So must we take God in his word and trust in the Lord, his promises, because God's work is for us. God's work is for us. Can you say God is for you? Can I say God is for me? Is God for you this evening as we come to worship him? Of course he is. If you're his, Paul says again in Romans, that eighth chapter, if God is for us, who can, we get, who can be against us? Who can be against us if God is for us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God is at work. He's working a work. Don't doubt it. Don't fear in a sense that there's anything that he can't do. Stand firm in him. Yes, you will find refuge in him. Take God in his word. And he says here in verse that he began a good work in you. A good work. God is doing a good work no matter what he's doing in your life. In all things, God is working for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. That's the truth. He's doing a good work in you. I don't know where it was said, but I remember somebody who was going through a trial, a pretty tough trial, and that person could say, God is not done with me yet. He's still working in me. He's working in his people. He who began a good work in you. If you are his, he's begun a good work in you. And yes, to the saving of your soul. And yes, for the redemption that's accomplished in Christ by the grace of God to lost sinners such as we. He forgives us all our sins and he works in us. You see, God is the one who initiates salvation. God began a good work. 
He is the one who initiates salvation. He's the one who comes to us by his spirit. The wind blows where it wills. You can hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. That work of God by His Spirit, He initiates the work of salvation. Indeed, He accomplishes all the salvation we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we wait on Him. Oh yes, rebellious sinners who are on the road to destruction must come to Him that God would work on them by the work of the Spirit. Applying more and more of the word to our hearts that we would die to self and live to Christ that we would be more like our Savior yes it's by his blood and by his death and by his resurrection by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ I don't know how often you sing the old rugged cross but there was a man in our church in Sydney he was in his 90s he was in a home and he had gotten Alzheimer's but I saw a video of, somebody sent a video of him to me and somebody came and began to strum the old rugged cross and the guitar and he began to sing the old rugged cross. You know, it's such a wonder, isn't it, how God works. Even somebody like that, God is still working. You know, it's God is at work. The Lord Jesus Christ is at work. Oh yes, he defeats sin and Satan, of course, as we mentioned this morning. And yes, we must believe in him. Just like the Philippian jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And that's the beginning. God initiates that. The wonderful works of God, the wonderful word of God, the wonderful comfort we have in the gospel. It's good news, you know, because God is doing a good work in your soul. In Christ working in you. And you're a new creation in Christ. The work of God. Yes, the light that shines forth in the darkness comes forth that we might know of those blessings you know he doesn't leave us to ourselves either after we're converted he continues to look after us I can remember my father he'd be buying a new car and he said when you go to buy a new car the, the, the sellers or the dealers are all over you to buy this car and you buy the car and you go back a fumble months later to have a problem with it you can't even find them they're not concerned about you anymore. Pretty well, that's the way it is, but not with God. God who began a good work in you will continue to work in you. He will continue to work in you. Indeed, he's for us, but also he is working in us. He's working in us. He's sanctifying us by his word and spirit. He works in us. God is doing a good work in us. As a Christian, if you truly are saved, God has saved you by his grace in Christ. Justified by faith. Yes, not by works, but by God's grace. And he's working in us. We're washed, yes, kind of righteousness sight because of Christ's righteousness. It's imputed to us. You know, he works in us. It's God's work. The old Puritans used to say, when they talked about the work of Christ, the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ, they would talk about the blood and obedience of Christ. What's he mean by the blood and obedience of Christ? Well, there's the active obedience of Christ and the passive obedience of Christ. I'm sure you've heard these terms before, but they're all together in a sense, but there's, you separate them to understand the active obedience of Christ. It's Christ's obedience all the way to the cross. 
He obeyed. He fulfilled all righteousness. He died. He became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. It's his righteousness that we have imputed to us. And also by his blood. He's obedient in his blood, that passive obedience, where he hung on the cross and died for our sins and shed his life blood for us. The blood and obedience of Christ. Jack Whitney is going to be speaking about uh, Machen and the book he wrote on Christianity and liberalism next week up in uh, Disable. There's a comment that uh, Dr. Machen made at his, on his deathbed. And one of the things he said as he was dying, he says, Thank God for the obedience of Christ. It's not our obedience. It's Christ's obedience. He obeyed for us. He gives to us his own obedience. He died for us. And he gives us his righteousness. It's imputed to us. We're sinners. And we sin. We have no righteousness of our own. He washed away our sin. Doesn't stop there though. He gives to us his righteousness. He gives to us his righteousness, his obedience. Everything we have by faith in Christ. Yes, even as Abraham believed God and credited him as faith. He's working in us. Yes, by the work in us, he made, God obeyed him to be sin, who had no sin, that we might become the righteous of God in him. God's grace, yes. And Paul continues right. He who began a good work in us, and then he said, and be, may, I'm sure that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. He will bring it to completion. God's work for us, God works in us. Doesn't mean we don't work. We make the use, as I mentioned this morning, the use of God's grace. Later on in this second chapter of Philippians, you know those verses Work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God's good pleasure to work in us. It's God's good pleasure to care for his children, to love them, to watch over them, to bless them. Yes, more and more of God's grace. More and more as we press on as followers of Lord Jesus Christ that we might shine for him. We sang together from Psalm 34. I don't know if you noted that verse where it says in the fifth verse, those who looked him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. I'm sure you see that in the saints, don't you? Those who rejoice in the Lord, those who have faith in Christ, have that sense God is with them. There's that joy in the Lord that shines through. The proverb says, the path of the righteous, the first gleam of dawn, shine ever brighter the full light of day. We shine forth. Why? Because God is at work in us. He began a good work. He will carry to completion on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a good work. Oh yes, we persevere. We press on by the grace of God in Christ. Indeed we do. We press on and to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of us. You see, we're safe in the Master's hands. We're safe in the arms of Jesus. Our names are written in the palms of his hand. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, Christ died for our sins, yes, and he rose for our justification. He gives to us his righteousness. 
and we humbly bow before him, trusting in him, taking him at his word, and knowing of the blessings we have in him, as, as Paul in his prayer here in these verses prays at the end of the prayer in verses 9 to 11 where he says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent or that you may be able to discern what is best, that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He's working in us. And we are to work too by the grace of God in Christ. Oh, we remember that truth that we are to, to in our struggle against the sinful nature with the spirit and the spirit against the sinful nature, knowing of that fruit of love, joy, and peace, and so on, to grow that fruit as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, looking to him. See, what hope is ours when you think about the comfort we have because he began this work and he will carry completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's a day coming. The Lord will return. We do not know the day or the hour, but he's coming again. The day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, it can be a terrible day. A dreadful day for those who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a dreadful day it will be when he comes in judgment for those who don't believe in him. The wrath of God will be on them forever and ever. But what a blessed day for those who know him. The day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessing upon blessing as we are brought into his kingdom. Into the presence of his glory. And he will complete that work. You see, we might have unfinished business, unfinished projects, but not God. He completes the work that he starts. He finishes it. God does the work well. He does it good. He does it completely. As we see here, to bring it completion at the day of Jesus Christ, that work is complete in Christ. And what a blessing to know, as Paul says, where our citizenship is there in the third chapter of Philippians verse, well, verse 20 and 21, where it says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to sub." Checked all things to himself to transform us in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes. God is at work. And truly we can trust in him. He who finishes work, indeed he will. So what about you this evening? Are you in the master's hands? He knows what he's doing in your life. He's working all things together for He's finishing the work he started. He's doing business with you. But are you doing business with him in a sense? Are you trusting in the Lord? Is he yours? Is he your savior? 
and you say amen to the very words that Paul says here, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That the Lord would bless these words to our souls for edification, that we might know that he said work all the time. He's not idly up in heaven dangling his feet as it were. He's working. He's working his work. His plans and purposes are being carried out. He is God. The eternal God. Our Savior has come. And he's coming again. Oh, that we might know of his work in our lives. That we might humbly submit to him. And worship him. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that God begins the work and he carries it completely on the day of Christ. And Lord, we know that uh, we fall short in so many ways, but Lord, we pray that you would bless us by your word this evening, that you'd encourage us in the things of our Savior, that you'd bless your word to our souls, Lord. And we need to ever look to you to call upon your name. So Lord, we ask your blessing and we pray in, in Jesus' name. Amen.